Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. We are currently celebrating the Advent season together as a church, remembering the story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of God's promise and prophecies. We pause to reflect on His arrival and long for His glorious return. They're wonderful servants. Uh, if you got coffee this month, most likely they prepared it for you at some point. Thank you both for being a part of that with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is in Jesus' name that we ask you to speak to us. God, that our hearts should be wide open, that they'd be soft before you, and that your word would do its job to change us so that we can be more like Jesus and less like the world living in the spirit more often than we're living in the flesh. God, we ask that as we continue this story leading up to the birth of Jesus, that it would be fresh in our hearts and minds. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. I'm gonna recap what we've been doing the last few weeks. We've been going through the first two chapters of the book of Luke leading up to Christmas Eve, which will be chapter two, the first 20 verses. But I wanna share something with you that has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's, a, it's important to note because it's very important that we as believers always recognize when God is at work, right? So that we don't forget that he's, a, he's alive, he's a living God. So last Sunday, uh, I was sitting in the back during the last service and a very clear inkling to steal back the service from Jeremiah. He was slated to preach this morning and I, for whatever reason, just said, hey, would you mind if I take it back. And he said, no, anything that you need to know. And that was the end of it. This morning, I got a text from him saying, hey, my dad is sick and he can't preach and he needs me to preach at his church this morning. Can I go? And I was like, God's pretty awesome. It's just really important. God already knew when he gave me the inkling to ask for back that Jeremiah needed to preach at his dad's church this morning, which he's doing currently as we speak. There's no accidents. You are here on purpose, and I know that today God intends to speak to you, and my hope is that you'll be listening. We've been going through the book of Luke. We talked about the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. We talked about the birth of Jesus being foretold, right? We talked in the first chapter how Zechariah was confronted by Gabriel and told, hey, this is what's going to happen, your name, and he had doubt, and so he wasn't able to speak. This whole time, he hasn't been able to speak, right? And we'll pick up today and find out whether he can or not. Mary comes and she visits Elizabeth and Matt did such an amazing job last week speaking on a scripture. I've never actually heard a sermon preached on Mary's song before. And so that was really, really amazing. I love that we had uh, the young women up here to read the scripture, to give a little bit of a flavor of what it actually may have sounded like had Mary read it herself. And today we're gonna jump into chapter one, verses 57 to 80. I used to live in California, and we used to go camping in Yosemite Valley. And if you get out of the valley and you go up into Tuolumne Meadows, there's amazing. It's big mountains and half dome. You know all the pictures that you see. There's a campground about halfway up called White Wolf. And so we went to White Wolf with a friend's family, and we were fishing and eating the fish that we caught, feeling real manly. I was like in junior high, however manly you can feel like you are in junior high. So we're like, all right, campfire's out, s'mores are eating, let's head to bed so we can get back at it tomorrow. 
Sun's down. You know, in a campsite, you're going off the sun, right, unless you have lanterns and those sorts of things. The lanterns went out, and we go to sleep. And about, I don't know, in the middle of the night, we start hearing this scratching on our tent. And I'm like, if your dad's scratching our tent, I'm going to freak out, and I'm going to tackle him, and I'm going to beat him up. It wasn't his dad. It was a bear. A bear was scratching at our tent and cruising through our camp. So after the bear got chased off, we went back into a deep, restful, peaceful sleep. <laughs> Which is the fattest lie, and I can't lie in church. Do you know how I slept? It was the longest night of my life, right? Because I was terrified, right? And all I could wait for was the dawn. I just wanted... I just wanted to see the light again, right? But I lived through that night with this intense fear, with this intense longing for the day to start again. And you know this isn't about camping. This is not about a bear coming to your camp. I wonder how many of us live this way. Through seasons of darkness and longing and fear, just waiting for a little bit of light to crest in our life. Maybe it's because of our sin. Maybe we're just walking totally away from the Lord, right? And it can feel dark and heavy and oppressive even. And you just can't wait for that light to shine again. You can't wait just for a little glimpse in the morning. I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the season. Maybe it's loss. Maybe you're spiritually exhausted or dry and you're just waiting for a, a little glimpse of light again. Just a little bit of hope, a little bit of life to make sure that this bear isn't gonna eat you, but that you'll wake up and be able to live again. I wonder what you'd do if the light began to dawn in your life again. I wonder what you'd do if somebody could point you to the love and the mercy that you're looking for. Does anybody else hope for the mercy? There's a scripture that says that his mercies are new every morning. Anybody else live every day thankful for that scripture? Wondering, God, is this real? Are you sure there's mercy today? Because I didn't do a great job following you. Is that light for me too? What would you do if you were certain, if somebody could say, hey, did you know that that dark, long night that you're in, that there is a dawn, that there is actually a light to come, and it's for you just as much for everybody else in the world? This is what we get to study today. This is where we find John. His purpose, his reason for being is to point people to the light of dawn. And we're gonna find out as we read that it's not just John's job and he wasn't the only one who got to be a part of it. As we jump into the text, a little bit of context for you. This psalm that we're gonna, we're gonna focus on is called the Benedictus. And it's filled with Old Testament quotes and allusions to prophecy being fulfilled in this time. And Zechariah was certain that God would fulfill the promises given all throughout the Old Testament. Right? The fascinating mystery of Jesus is, I mean, the, the, like the duh ones, right? Like he's Jesus, God incarnate, all those things. But this had been spoken about for thousands of years before it happened. And this song speaks to some of those. Let's jump in and find out what it was that Zechariah was singing about. 
Verse 57, it says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have their baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Now it was customary for people to celebrate, right? The birth of a, a, of, of a child, especially a son and especially Elizabeth because remember she was well along in years. You remember what happened in chapter one? Zechariah's like, hey, <laughs> are you sure? How is this gonna happen? And remember what happened? Gabriel said, hey, listen, you're supposed to give the, the boy the name John, but because you question the God's power in this, you won't be able to speak until the appointed time. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child customary, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Most often, they would name him after the grandfather, sometimes the father, right? But they would always name a boy in one of those ways, Right? a name that was already in the family. But his mother spoke up and said, no, no, he's to be called John. Now, if you, if you were disobedient and weren't able to speak, you only make that mistake once, right? <laughs> you only make that, she's like, hey, hey, I don't care what you're doing. I guarantee I know his name and his name's John. I don't know if you know this, but my husband hasn't been able to speak for nine months. So they said to her, hey, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. They questioned. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Emphatically, his name is John. This was not a chalkboard, by the way. Fun fact, not that you, not that you care, it really doesn't matter the story, but they were actually pieces of wood with wax on them, and they would inscribe in the wax. That was how they wrote those notes. And it says, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loose and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things and everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, this is an important question. He obeys, he does what Gabriel told him to do, what the Lord told him to do. His name is John. And immediately he was able to speak and what came out of his mouth but praise. Praise and honor to the God who had done all these things and people were freaking out. They were tweeting about it, right? They were posting on Instagram. They're doing selfies with, with Zechariah. Oh my gosh, he can talk now. Praise hands on their emojis. Like this is what's going on. People are like freaking out. They're in bewilderment. They're like, what is happening? Remember, 400 years of silence, and then some stuff starts to go down. Some things start to happen, and people can't quite figure out what's happening. They had been in darkness, waiting for the dawn, and stuff starts to happen. And then they ask this question, what then is this child going to be for the Lord's hand was with him? What is it that this child was born for with all these crazy things going on? Who is this kid? And why is all this miraculous work surrounding him? I don't know if you haven't been able to speak in nine months. I don't know if what you would say. Zechariah, he had a song in his heart. Zechariah had a prophecy to give. So I'm gonna sing it for you. Just kidding. <laughs> to all those watching, you're welcome for not doing that. Here's what it says. And we're gonna break this down a little bit at a time. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied this. 
Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. There are four beautiful pictures that Zechariah paints about what God is up to and about his son's part in it. The first picture is the opening of a prison door. To be redeemed means to set free by paying a price. God, remember, Zechariah knew the prophecies about Jesus. He knew how salvation was coming, so he starts singing about it. Starts singing about it. He's like, Waymaker, miracle. To set free by paying a price. And what's interesting is we certainly can't set ourselves free, can we? So the fact that he knows that it is by God's hand and God's hand alone that our payment has been paid is something to sing about. He goes on, he says, he has raised us up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. The first thing is the opening of a prison and door. The second thing is the winning of a battle. The winning of our battle. This idea of the, a horn of salvation, you, you see this throughout the scriptures. They raise a horn of salvation. Here it means power and victory. It's a sign of power and victory. Jesus came in power to offer us the victory. Right? And it says that he Salvation from our enemies. There's this idea that the picture is really this, is that there's an army and they're just about to be defeated. They're just about to be finished off. And what he's saying here, this picture is that help arrives, the enemy is defeated, but it's not just about setting the captives free. Listen, it's that the enemy is defeated so he can't capture any more prisoners. It's a complete victory. That's what he is singing about in these verses. And the rescue, obviously, you know this, right? It's hard not to preach the gospel when you're singing the song with Zechariah because he rescues us for a purpose. The rescue from defeat, the, the salvation to come, that power and victory, isn't just so we feel better about the morning coming, it's so that we can join in what he wants to do in the world, which is what? To bring salvation to all people, right? Rescue from sin for all people. Such a complete victory that the enemy can't snatch any more captives. He sets us free not to do our will, but to serve him without fear. Look, that's what it says. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. See, sometimes we like the rescue, but we want him to let us do what we want, right? We want him to rescue us. We like the salvation piece, but then we want to be able to go off and do whatever we want, right? No, thank you, God, for the victory. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you, God, for redemption. Thank you, God, that you've set me free. Thank you that you've opened the prison doors. Thank you that you've won the battle. Now, if you'll excuse me, I got some things I'd like to do. And then we go off and we serve him however we want or live however we want. And that's just not how it goes. 
He rescued you so that you could set aside your will, step into his will, so you could be a part of the salvation of the entire world by pointing people to where the light is. It's a good song, huh? It's a pretty good song. Let's keep going. See, because now we, he's praising God for what he is doing, right? He's talking about Jesus fulfilling all these prophecy. The third picture is this. He opens a prison door, he wins the battle, and then there's the canceling of a debt. Have you ever been in debt? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I've been in debt. And I've had my debt taken care of. I'm not talking spiritually, I'm talking physical, actual things. I've had it cared, taken care of. Do you know the weight that is lifted off when a debt is paid? Right? And the bigger the debt, the more freed you feel, right? This is why Jesus said with the woman who was sinful woman at his feet, the Pharisees were condemning her. He said, man, you guys don't even know. He said, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. And you love little because you are forgiven little. Her debt was so much more than yours, you have no idea why she loves this much because she knows how much she's been forgiven. If you have a hard time loving people, you might want to check. Check the debt. That didn't rhyme as well as I thought it would. The canceling of a debt. This is what he says. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. He's talking about his son, John. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, right? Or the remission of their sins. It means to send away, to dismiss as a debt would be forgiven. And we're all spiritually bankrupt. We are all indebted to God because of our sin, right? The wages of sin is death. There's a payment to be paid. I don't know about you, I don't wanna pay that payment. I would love to get off scot-free from that if at all possible, right? And that's what he says here. He says, Jesus came and he paid that debt for us. And John, you are going to go before Jesus. And it says, verse 78, the last one is that the dawning of a new day. I love this, obviously because I almost got eaten by a bear, but also because I know what it is to be hopeless. I know what it is to live in darkness. I know what it is to desire and need a light, desire and need clarity, desire and need forgiveness. I know what that feels like. So when the dawning of a new day, when the light begins to peek up over the horizon and spill light all over the earth and you can see things clearly, you can see that there is hope, you can see that the bear is gone. Right, that's, that's what he's talking about here. It says this, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2, you guys are familiar with this. We talk about it a lot at Christmas. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Listen to that. There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Zechariah didn't have anything to say for nine months, but man, when he opened his mouth, he sure made it count. He made it count. He proclaimed the gospel 
of Jesus. He made known the light to come. He made known where salvation was and forgiveness. He talked about the tender mercy of God. We don't talk in our sleep. Most of us don't talk in our sleep. And when we wake up, what do we say? He hadn't talked for nine months and he used it well. He used his words well. How do we use our words? What do we do when our mouth is loosed to speak into the world? He used it to praise God and to make a big deal about Jesus. What's interesting is this. John was the prophet of the Most High, introducing Israel to the son of the Most High who was conceived in Mary's womb by the power of the Most High. That's pretty cool. I was in Target with my daughter the other day, like two days ago, and because I'm a great father, I decided it was a perfect time to embarrass her. So we're standing in line. All the lines are full of people. We're standing in the, the uh, self-checkout line. And in the self-checkout line, I, be, I told her this real quiet. I said, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And then I waited a second. And when she was certain I wasn't going to sing, I started, you better watch out. And she split and took off into the clothing aisle next to me. She was like, there's no way I'm sticking around to find out if this crazy dad is gonna actually do this. Now, I'm gonna tell you this. I would love to challenge anybody to start that in a store and see if you can get the whole store singing. That's what I wanted to do. I decided to be a better father and not embarrass my daughter. But I thought that, you know what? To make this stick for us, to get us to understand, I I want you to, to hear this. You can write this down. The best way to show the light is to offer the truth and shine real bright. I know that sounds simplistic, but let me, hear, let, me, let me tell you again. The best way to show the light is to offer the truth and shine real bright. See, Zechariah's song answered the question we found in 66. Who then will this child be? And his song answers that question. He will be the one who goes before and paves the way. And who will point people to where the sun will rise in their life. The best way to show the light is to offer the truth and shine real bright. John's name is, it means grace of God. Did you know that? John means grace of God and he was to be born to point the way to salvation. The grace of God was born to point the way to salvation. So what do we do? Who do you know that needs to be pointed to the dawn, to the way of salvation? Who do you know who's sitting in a long, hopeless night, just waiting for the the light to crest over the horizon in their life? Hopeless, maybe fearful, maybe uncertain about God's desire to be with them, God's desire to forgive them, which he has already done. I don't want you to use an invitation to church to be your check's box, your check box. Checks box is a snack. (laughs) Certainly invite people to church with you, but that is not your evangelistic duty. Proclaim the good news yourself. Point people to where the light is and where life is and where salvation is. Spend time using your words to proclaim the goodness and grace of God. 
and bring them with you. But you do it. You do it. Maybe you're uncertain. You can be the dawn of light for somebody. And we're gonna talk about just a couple ways that we can do this and then we'll be done. How do we become like that dawn? How do we become like John, offering light and pointing people to salvation in Jesus? The first thing is you have to prepare. What we didn't read is the, the last verse, verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared public to Israel. You know what he's doing in the desert? He was preparing. God was preparing him to do that which he was born for. We have to prepare also. Jesus went into the desert before his public proclamation, before he came to offer himself to the world. And they were ready to proclaim light in the kingdom of God. We have to prepare. You have to know the truth. If you don't know the scripture, if you don't know the gospel, how do you tell and preach the gospel? If you haven't received the light of life, if you haven't experienced the salvation of God, it's very difficult to then go and proclaim those things. So you have to be prepared. Soak in God's grace in his goodness. Living an obedient life. God, today, how can I be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? Prepare. The second thing we have to do is then we can pave the way. John came into the world to pave the way for Jesus. Right, it says that to make the mountains smooth, prepare a straight way before the Lord. And we also get to do that. He was a crowd parter, right? Hear ye, hear ye. Here comes Jesus. Look, there he is. He was constantly, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. He's paving the way, going before him. I don't know if you watch like the old boxing, right? They would have what? Entourages. And they would be parting the way and that box would be smoothing in with the entrance music. I don't know if Jesus had entrance music. Maybe it was Zechariah's song. I don't know. But to make level paths for people, it takes time and effort to converse, to spend time with. Go to coffee, invite them to your house, sit down and read the scriptures. Meet them where they are and get them a little closer to where they need to be. Pave the way. It takes time, effort, and sacrifice. We talk about it a lot to make disciples. You're gonna get sick and tired of that word soon because it's all you're gonna hear for a long time. To make disciples. Then the third thing is this. Prepare, we pave the way. We have to proclaim what John did after he was prepared in the desert. He came and he paved the way and then he proclaimed Jesus. There he is. That's what you're looking for. When people ask what we're doing, we have to proclaim that the light is here for those living in darkness. We're not waiting anymore. Jesus has come. Jesus has come. He died for our sins. He paid the debt. He won the battle. There is victory and power in him. And we have to let them know it's ready for them. Salvation is here for those who are far off and need forgiveness. The last thing is this. We have to disappear well. John did a great job of disappearing well. A great job of disappearing well. He knew that he needed to fade away to become less as Jesus' light dawned and rose in the world. Jesus, uh, John cared uh, a lot less about being seen than making Jesus seen. And I don't know, maybe you're one of the ones sitting in darkness. What we just talked about, for those of you who are believers, that's your job, that's what we're called to, that's what we do with this. 
This is not just a song to be sung, but something to be done in our lives, to prepare well, to pave the way, to proclaim Jesus, and to get out of the way, to disappear well. This is why John came, and it's our job too. But maybe you're the one sitting in the dark. Maybe you're the one feeling like you just can't wait for the dawn because you're terrified you're gonna get eaten up in this life. What you've done isn't working. And you're just waiting and waiting to see if that light will crest in your life, hoping there's still forgiveness and love available to you. The answer is yes, there is. And it's found in Jesus Christ, the Lord of the whole world, God in flesh. We'll get there next week. I don't want spoiler alert for Christmas Eve, but I mean, it's kind of like an ongoing thing we do. It's a, the message is the message, and it's a good message. It's good news that those who are lost and dying, those who are alone and in darkness can have light, can have forgiveness. It is found in Jesus Christ, our mighty Savior, who came to set you free, cancel your debt, and give you true forever life. I wonder what it would mean for you if that person, that son or daughter, that parent, maybe the spouse, the coworker, or boss, if they found Jesus, I wonder what it would do for your day-to-day life. I wonder how it would impact your family. I wonder how it would impact the holidays. Could you imagine? I mean, it's hard enough for believers to have holidays together, but what if we were all like living in the light? Like, could you imagine if that, that crazy uncle that you have I'm sure you're not the crazy uncle, but you know if you are. I don't know. What are you willing to sacrifice in your life to be the dawn of life for somebody else? What are you willing to sacrifice to be prepared to proclaim, to pave the way, and to disappear? What are you willing, are you willing to sacrifice for that person? I'm challenged by that question because I have some people who need Jesus in my life And I wonder if I am willing to do that which John was called to and which we're called to, which is to point them to Jesus. And I wonder what would happen in our cities and schools and in our public offices if they took hold of the light of Christ. But it'll take somebody to point them there. Are we paying attention? I bet it would be a whole different world, don't you think? Making the way for Jesus to return again. That's our challenge, and it's my challenge to you. Don't wait until after Christmas, start tomorrow, or today, even better. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you did not just call John here to do this, Lord. You've called us to prepare and to pave the way to proclaim where salvation is found and then to get out of the way and disappear well. Father, forgive us when we are more concerned with promoting ourselves than we are promoting Jesus. Forgive us, Father, where we want our name in lights instead of the Son of God who has come to redeem the whole world. Those on our prayer team who are gonna come up, they're gonna make their way up there here right now and we're gonna end our service the way we always do with prayer, an opportunity to give, um, so if you need prayer, if you need to pray for somebody, the folks that will be up here will be ready. Thank you. On the giving side, listen, we won't pass the, anything on Christmas Eve, just we have a lot of visitors. So. But if you're looking for a way year-end giving, this is the time to do it. 
Uh, you can give out in the box. You can give online. And just your normal tithe. Listen, the tithe is not uh, something God necessarily needs, except that it helps us to walk in obedience. It's not a suggestion, and it's hard. Um, but uh, this is also a time to consider that as well. Father, as we worship you, help us to do so with humble hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.